Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Rugby League Digest. I'm Michael Adams here with Andrew Paskin. How's it going, Andy? Mate, wonderful. How are you? Uh, well, we're recording this on a Sunday night after I have just watched the Dragons demolish the Eels. So how do you think I am? Cloud nine or? <laughs> My four and one Dragons are making me very happy right now. But we'll save that. We will get into it. This is uh, in many ways the start of a new era for us, but it's a return to an old era in another way. So uh, this episode exclusive for our Patreon supporters is something we're going to try to do once a month, which is just to give a little recap or add our thoughts to everything going on with Rugby League at the moment. For long-time listeners will know, we did this for two years uh, in the original incarnation of the Rugby League Digest. And I don't know about you, but that experience almost killed me and drained much of my enthusiasm for rugby league. What do you mean? The, the fact we were putting in 80-hour weeks on the podcast plus our uh, day jobs? Yeah, that, that was... Um... Uh, well, I mean, I guess I'm still doing that with <laughs> with the Super League war. But... <laughs> um, no, like, it was good fun, though. I, I love talking about the day-to-day. So I'm, I'm more excited than you about this. I think I'm more into the, you know, mouthing off about stories in the paper just off the cuff than you with your detailed and uh, meticulous research. Yeah, <laughs> this is one thing we're going to do. So we're going to, at this stage, this is what we're looking at, two exclusive Patreon episodes a month, one like this where we'll uh, recap or talk about modern day rugby league. Uh, the other episode is going to be pretty loose format. We've got some interviews lined up uh, and anything that might cross our mind we'll throw in there. So I wanted to start by thanking everyone who's signed up so far. It, it's really touched both of us. Uh, to have everyone supporting us in this way. So we can't thank you enough. Well, I mean, the support of everybody since the beginning has been amazing because all we wanted to do was have a crew of people like us that loved the game and talked about the game like we did and you know didn't have to get dressed up in dresses and that to have a laugh about it. And we've already got that with the, all our listeners for the Super League War, but having a special inner circle crew is even better. It's awesome. Yeah. I love it. And I got to say, I know every podcast probably says this about their listeners, but I couldn't imagine having a better community of like-minded people. The discourse rarely strays from the intelligent and well-measured, unlike the rest of the cesspool that is NRL Twitter. (laughs) I mean, the only time it strays from that is when I open my mouth generally. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, um, Keep your eyes peeled. We're still figuring it all out in terms of added benefits and all the rest of it. So we'll update you as we go along. As I've said before, any ideas you have for some benefits, uh, we're open to all suggestions. So please let us know. Uh, I will say I haven't put it on our Patreon yet, but I will. Uh, Our top tier level, we have thought of one very special benefit that I'm very excited about, which is if you sign up to our top level uh, of Patreon subscription, you will get a research dossier of your choice of one of our Super League chapters. These are what I meticulously craft to put our Super League chapters together. Uh, You've seen every one of these, Andy, and uh, it's fair to say they're weighty documents. Yeah, I've just got them saved for the coroner's inquest when you go mental. Um, (laughs) This is just the evidence that I'm keeping. But I'd say for every... Every one minute of airtime, there's probably, you know, five or ten pages of content there that we don't get to air. So there's some great stuff in these dossiers that, for whatever reason, don't make their way onto the show. So uh, if you are interested in that, that is what we're offering as a top-tier benefit. And as I said, we'll update you with other benefits as we go along. Unreal. So let's get into it. We're going to talk about everything happening in rugby league at the moment. Uh, And we've got to start with the news that has been everywhere over the last week with the sad death of Tommy Radonikus. 
Yeah, man, it's um, it's it's rocked me more than I thought it would. It's um, everyone knew it was coming, but now it's happened. It's honestly the game's greatest character, and I know you don't like minimizing him to that for these rugby league achievements, but to me, that's a no. You know, you know what? I that's how it started when he first died. Like, I guess it's just the kind of the cynic in me or the you know purist that was like, I bet everyone's just going to talk about what a great character he was. Uh, and that's all we're going to hear. But as, you know, the days went on and you're hearing story after story and you're seeing all this vision, you just realize that how can you not, like, prioritize that? And everyone knows what a great player he was, successful coach, all the rest of it. But his character was so large and outsized. I mean, that's what we're all celebrating, that, like, he really was one of a kind. Well, I don't even know if he was one of a kind. He was the biggest of that kind. But there's lots of other guys, even these West teammates were similar to him, just like... Zero pretense, play hard, party hard, you know, handshake deal. He's just rugby league personified for me. Yeah. There was one great story. I think one of our uh, Twitter friends wrote to us and said that he remembers seeing him at um, play at Newtown and he still remembers seeing him with his Vaseline on his leg. So he pulls his socks down and Vaseline's his leg so he can't be tackled. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. <laughs> But I wasn't prepared for the level of outpouring there's been. And it's just made me think that I can't think of anyone more universally beloved in the game. Like yeah, we've, we've had bigger names than Tommy Radonikus die over the last few years. I haven't seen anything like this. Even guys he bullied, like Turvey Mortimer, like still loved him, you know, like. Yeah. You know, the old Turvey story we've gone through on the podcast, throwing his bags out the window in the rep team. But um, <laughs> when have you ever heard anyone go, geez, that Radonikus is a real prick? Yeah. You know, never. So, yeah, a huge loss for the game. Uh, on that note, we're going to uh, do some more of these club case studies that we did over our off-season. Uh, from time to time, the research gets a bit too much and we fall a bit behind. So I was already planning to put out a West's case study at the conclusion of the current chapter, uh, which was supposed to be out this week. But with everything that has happened with Tommy's death, uh, we thought it was only fitting to push that forward. So the next you'll hear from us is actually going to be that West case study, which will be coming out later this week. uh, And then we'll conclude chapter 27 um, the week after that. Perfect timing, mate. Uh, So yeah, so Vale, Tommy Rodonicus. Rugby league personified, as you said. He will be missed. Let's move on to the game itself. And, you know, we're not going to drill down and, and analyse the 74th minute of, you know, the Cowboys and, and the Tigers and all of that. I just thought because we haven't talked about football, current football for so long, uh, I'd just start with some big picture thoughts about, you know, how you might see the season shaping up and all the controversy and the discourse we've seen in the opening five weeks. Well, uh, I've got to say I've watched very little um, full-game football just due to personal issues, but I've been catching up on the highlights regularly on NRL.com, and I've got to say the website's wonderful at the moment, easy to use, yeah. easy to find, uh, and that was a big bugbear of ours from the beginning, and they've they've really come to the party with that d- digital platform. Oh, i got to say across the board, I think Fox League has improved this year. There's been some great specials. You know, some like little mini docos and all the rest of it. NRL.com's been great. Uh, Yeah, I I totally agree with you on the website. But I think in general, the rugby league digital media anyway and broadcasting has been on somewhat of a high after, you know, struggling for the last few years. I get the feeling that the fans of the game are really happy to have it back and go into the games again. And I know you went to one recently at Bank West and it blew you away. So I get the feeling that hopefully... I was going to say this at the end, that I think we should all, especially guys like me who always talk about it and never get to the games, is make an effort to get to the games now we have the ability to do that. Yeah, yeah, totally. And especially when you've got a place like Bank West, which, as I said, I had my first experience going there uh, for the Parramatta-Melbourne game a few weeks ago. It was amazing. I, I love going there. I think, yeah, everyone is happy to have the footy back and full crowds and all the rest of it. But i got to say, overall, I think, the general vibe has been quite negative. I, I think all the, the rule changes, the injuries, the blowout scores. That means it's uh, back. That means the game's back. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, this is what I wanted to put to you. So do you remember 2019 Rugby League was in crisis? And it was, you know, the crisis merchants were the likes of Buzz and, you know, that whole Telegraph kind of Fox League side of things. 
talking about, you know, rugby league is now a shit game and all the rest of it. And the blowback was coming from, you know, the other side of... I think with rugby league, there's definitely like a left wing and a right wing of rugby league discourse. Is the right wing the one that uses the word flog? (laughs) (laughs) Which is a banned word in the RLD community. Oh, yeah. And always will be. But yeah, so I think a couple of years ago, it was that right wing that were the crisis merchants, you know, the refs are, you know, ruining the game, all, all the rest of it, that sort of stuff. Now we're seeing this this shift this year where I think it's the other side of the rugby league uh, landscape that, are, you know, the crisis merchants this time, like the blowout scores have been a big issue, the rule changes, there's just been a lot of vitriol and, you know rugby league stuffed and all the rest of it. I don't know if you've noticed that or... <laughs> I've seen it a lot. Like, there's a story the other day in the paper about the haves and the have-nots. I just laugh because I'm a big NBA man, as you know, and like, you got half the teams are literally trying to lose to get draft picks, right? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. We've got three or four teams that are in a rebuild, you know? Like, it's it's not the end of the world. Like. No, but i got to say, on the idea of rebuilding in rugby league, anytime it's talked about, I think... Any club that goes through a rebuild that doesn't sweep through their front office, the rebuild's only half done. There's actually no excuse to need to rebuild in rugby league. If you're rebuilding, that means that your front office have got things wrong. Yeah. But that's just a little aside. No, no, I 100% agree with you. It's like the front office is always untouchable somehow until there's a rebel ticket. It's like, get rid of the bastards earlier. Yeah. And like with the blowouts, the haves and the have-nots, I do think... The rule changes have had something to do with that. But I also think the constant focus on how bad the really bad teams are, to me, it kind of underplays like how good the, you know, top four or top six are. Like I feel throughout most of the 2010s, there was a bit of mediocrity about the competition. There was parity, but there weren't that many like truly outstanding teams. Whereas this year, I think if you look at that top six, you know, not top six on the ladder, but I think it's kind of assumed by most that the top six teams, you know, the Panthers, the Eels, the Storm, the Roosters, the Raiders, Souths, like that's a pretty red hot top six, you know? It really is. Uh, It's it's tight at the top and it's tight in the middle and it's tight at the bottom too, for that matter. So, but I was even watching the Broncos the other night and Jermaine Asako is a superstar, right? And Mm. even in a team of... You know, they're struggling big time under Kevin Walters, just full rebuild. They've got some like awesome players. Katoni Staggs is out, but when he comes back, he's a great player. Like every team's got some stars still. It's not that bad. I will say, like, I think there is some chance that the doomsayers this time are right. Cause like we're talking about historically bad teams and, you know, historically wide margins. You know, I don't think that is gonna be a good look for the game long term. But I'm also willing to just give the season a little bit of time to figure itself out. Yeah, I mean, it's and, what, and is it, I, round five I, I, for God's sakes. Yeah, it's it's round five, and I've also like I've watched heaps of footy this year. Like footy's my little treat away from the research this year, so um, I've really enjoyed watching it. And like when it's been good, it's been like really good. Yeah, it really has, um, from what I've seen. But but yeah, I am worried about some of the rule changes. Like I think. What's your view on the two-point field goal? It's funny because I hated it. I was like so against it. I was like, "What? Who's, who does this serve? Why are you bringing it in? I was so anti it. Seeing it for the first time in the South game the other night, I was like, wow, that was really cool. That was fun. I've come around on the two-point field goal. It's a fine line between rugby league's ability to fine-tune the rules and for people to go, that's it, it's tiddlywinks, you know, like, and if you do too much at once, it, people will just blow up, it's tiddlywinks, right? So you've you got to be very careful not to have too many changes at once and give it a, a year off from changes, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because people can't handle too much. Uh, and the way teams are exploiting the six again rule now, you know, that is we're verging into crisis territory. You know, I I think we saw about 15 set restarts in the Parramatta Dragons game tonight and about, you know, half of them were on the first tackle where, you know, the Dragons were just laying all over Parra because there was no punishment for laying down once they'd given up that first set of six. And I don't know if it's like a referee discretion thing or, you know, some people have mentioned, you know, it's only a set restart in the opposition half or something like that. 
but that's becoming a problem. It's a constant battle in rugby league between uh, nefarious coaches and rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so there are issues there, uh, but I've really enjoyed the football. So, I mean, that's been my main takeaway is I'm not ready to death ride rugby league yet. I think there's still some life in the old girl. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's never not in crisis, the game, for a start, and, you know, it's just another bloody blip on the radar, so... Don't panic, everybody. Now, when we were doing the weekly show, we tried to, you know, leave our club ties behind and and try to talk about the game in a kind of bias-free way. I thought this is our Patreon exclusive. We can let our hair down a bit. So I thought we'd have a club corner, which is just a chance for us to basically get anything we want uh, to say off our chest and then we'll see where it takes you. So I thought I'd give you the floor first. How are you feeling about your Raiders? Yeah, not too bad from what I've seen. I mean, I was thinking about it today that, that Sticky's a lot smarter coach these days where it used to be 110% for every minute of every game. Now he's a bit more Wayne Benedish where he wants them to be coming strong down the home stretch. Aiming for a top four, but you know he's not too worried about crucifying blokes in uh, round five, you know. So, and our depth in the forwards especially, is astounding. We've got this uh, Harry Rushton guy from Wigan. He's in reserve grade. Horsburgh's on the bench, um, sorry, in reserves. And, um, yeah, so much depth in, in the forwards. So I'm not worried at all at the moment. Do you think you learned something from last year? Like, you know, having a pretty bad injury toll, never really looking like the season got going, but you still, you know, were a game away from the grand final? Yeah, I think he's learning. He's becoming the the master coach that he always was touted to be. Now, then the problem yeah. is, is Hodgson is uh, always injured, and um, he's only a small guy, and he's so important to the team's success. So hopefully, he can get fit for the back end of the year. How do you feel about the Hodgson Starling thing? Yeah, man. Well, it's a good problem to have. I tell you. Yeah, um, totally. I know a lot of the Green Machine people on Twitter are, are pro Starling, but I think it's a bit like the Cameron Smith, Brandon Smith uh, setup. You just have your general on there and then have your other guy playing where he can as an impact guy. It is very loud from Canberra Raiders Twitter, though. It seems the general consensus is that Hodgson's just in there slowing things down and, you know, Starling's the guy they need to run with. Uh, I can't see Sticky being disloyal to Hodgson. I think they're uh, bosom buddies. Yeah. So Canberra are currently sitting in eighth spot. I'm looking down on you from fourth at, at, at the Dragons. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. The uh, Hook Griffin vitriol has died down from the uh, rabid lunatics that are Dragons fans. <laughs> I've got so much to say about all of this, but I want to start it by saying I was going to send out a tweet on the eve of the season kicking off saying that, you know, everyone was saying the Dragons are going to win the spoon. I just didn't see it. And I was going to tweet, I think 11 to 14 is much more likely than 15 to 16. I just thought with a coach like Anthony Griffin, who you could say like he's a kind of mediocre coach maybe, but he's always had some level of success, you know. He got the sack from Penrith when they were in the top four. Yeah, He did okay, not great at the Broncos, but he's done a good job of bringing every Bronco he coached back to the, 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 the Dragons and that strategy is working out well. Um, his problem was never coaching. It was the old rugby league bugbear of communication. <laughs> you know, he's known for his junior development and all that sort of thing as well. So it was my hope that he was going to come in and just straighten the joint out and hopefully in the two years before he loses the dressing room, gets us in better shape. And he's done all that and more. And you know how much I love Andrew McCulloch. Mm. I was dubious about the signing because I, you know, I would have been ecstatic about that signing in 2016. You know, not so much now, but I mean, he's been great. I thought the forwards was going to be the big problem for us this year. Like, I quite like our back line. When I looked at that pack, I was like, I don't know, but they've been outstanding. You know, four wins straight. The defense has been a revelation. I'm well, just loving life at the moment. Defense wins um, wins rugby league games. We know that. And um, like Matt Dufty is just like becoming a next Billy Slater at the moment. He's playing that good. Well, yeah, and it's because that's how they're using him. Yeah, you know, he's playing that exact role, just kind of in the middle of the field, you know, taking passes into space and off he goes. I mean, it's taken them five years, but they've finally worked out how to use Matt Dufty. Well, I just wanted to bring it up that Griffin deserves some praise because they were literally death riding him. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Let me ask you this. What do you think about the benefit of getting rid of uh, a broken down Tyson Frizzell to Newcastle? 
Last week, when the Dragons beat Newcastle, that was the best I've seen Frizzell play for two years. I go to, you know, most Dragons game. I don't like to harp too much on body language, but watching him live the last two seasons at the Dragons, you could see like his heart just wasn't in it. He just, there was just something really off and that was showing up in his play. He was really hurt and, all the time, probably why. It was more than that though. I mean, you know, maybe it was just hurt, but he just he just looked in bad spirits. Maybe it was a Mary problem. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think he was just unhappy with the way the team was going and it was affecting his play. But watching him against the Dragons last week, I was like, he looks great. As I said, the best game I've seen him play for two years. I was like, okay, maybe he just needed a change and, you know, he's going to go back to the Tyson Frizzell of old. Watching him against the Titans yesterday, he was dreadful. And, you know, it was like the same thing I'd seen from him for the last couple of years. So I'm like, he managed to put in that extra effort against his old club, but I think we moved him on on it at the perfect time. Yeah, you really don't want to be caught with a big contract on the waning years. That's a real club killer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And I love our signings this year. Like, Jack Bird is playing like Cronulla Sharks' Jack Bird. He's looking really good. That guy is, you know how much I've loved him. I mean, the whole McDonald's uh, card in Broncos situation (laughs) was a disaster. But if he gets his act together, there's no one better in the comp, you know? Yeah. One thing we said about this format of show is it was going to be liberating for us because it was going to involve no dossiers, no research packets. It was just going to be entirely off the cuff. But I had to bend that rule slightly when I saw an article uh, the other day on NRL.com which opens an old-fashioned bonding session organized by Anthony Griffin after a frustrating training session is being credited by Dragons players with helping to spark their winning start to the season. So the story went that they had a really bad training session. They were dropping balls. They weren't looking sharp. It was going bad. So Hook called the session early and said, Righto, boys, we're going to go to the pub. Uh, And I'll let uh, Josh Kerr take the story from here. There was a look of shock among the boys. It was like, wow, how good's that? It sounds crazy, but we haven't had that here before. And honestly, it's refreshing. It makes you want to play for the coach and play for each other. Now, is that not reminiscent of the West that wanted to get on the drink? Um, did you, did you That's know, exactly what I was thinking. Do you know why it hasn't happened before? Because in professional sports, you don't usually stop to go to the pub. But like, I do like the old school thinking of Griffin. Yeah. In the same respect. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I don't necessarily think fourth is where we're going to finish this season, but I'm loving the ride so far. Four straight. We're going to ride it as long as we can. Uh, and, yeah, I'm a happy man, Andy. Yeah. I've seen you tweeting and you're uh, you're over the moon, but um, it's only round five. Let's not, <laughs> let's not forget. But, um, well, yeah, while we're talking about – Current day football, let's talk about the Titans, who are my most uh, exciting team to watch in the comp. That was so much fun watching David Fafida in particular against the Knights yesterday, Arvo. Brimson's a a revelation, has been for two years. The signing of Fafida is is a watershed moment in that, that, the uh, seventh incarnation of the franchise. (laughs) I'm loving what I'm seeing from them. They're just like, they're at that appointment viewing stage where you're just like, oh, the Titans are playing. It, like, even Proctor's come back into international form, you know, and mm. they've only got a couple of injuries. I think it's uh, Philip Sammy and another bloke's out, so they've got all their, their full complement. Corey Thompson's playing great footy. Like, yeah. Really good coaching from um, Holbrook, so, yeah, I'm on the bandwagon. Yeah, yeah. I uh, really enjoy watching them. hope they go far. So that's one thing we're going to do is, is just do a bit of a lightning round of the, the teams and I don't know how much or how little we have to say about each of these. So we're just going to go 1 to 16 on the table and we'll move on as quickly as we need to. But So we'll start with number one, the Panthers. This is another team, you know, they're obviously a very good football team, but I also just love watching them play. Like I love Luai and uh, Kikau is just insane. Yeah. It, it's I hate the Panthers just because of the Raiders rivalry, but, I mean, you can't deny it. Did you see that they were doing the 30-year anniversary yeah. on Friday night? Yeah. They had the old boys doing the lap of the field. That was brilliant. It's good to get that tradition back. Yeah. Do you see them as the the ones to beat this year? Yeah, well, there's no other way to view them. I mean, um, 
East are looking good amazingly, even though they've got Kiri out for the year. So um, somehow they've unearthed another great half. <laughs> yeah, uh, so- yeah. I mean, I, I really thought, like, when Kiri went down, I'm like, oh, that's a shame because I think the Roosters are done now. But, you know, with Sam Walker playing the way he did last night, like, who knows? One of my favorite rugby league tropes is the Walker's on trope, and people were bringing it out on mass on Twitter when he, you know, yeah, yeah, whenever he comes on, it's so funny. <laughs> Did you see uh, one dickhead on Twitter? Uh, he tags like about six journalists in, and I think he tagged like Buzz, the mole, um, I can't remember who else, and he was like. Sam Walker just made a very ineffective tackle on the line. And this is the bloke everyone's like praising. <laughs> He's about 74 kilos, but yeah. <laughs> Speaking of um, bandwagon teams, I'm disappointed with the Warriors this year thus far. I don't know whether Brownie's a super coach that everyone uh, <laughs> was, was, was mentioning. It's kind of just going the way I think everyone like thought it was going to go. Like, I mean, there are a lot of people tipping the Warriors for the spoon as well. And I think after the, the high of last year, going to a new coach and that coach being Nathan Brown, it's a tough ask. I mean, two of us is Sheck. That's a real Debbie Downer on the season as well. We always say it like, you know, just let them go. Who cares? The, the game moves on. But that game against the Raiders a couple of weeks ago, watching that, I was just like, man, it sucks he's going. I mean, there's no one I'd rather keep more, really. Yeah. South Sydney, though. What about Benji's resurgence? Yeah. It seems like when Benji's ass is at a reasonable size, he plays great footy. Yeah, but when you say a reasonable size, it has to be a small size because I feel like he was massive at the Dragons and did nothing for us for three years. If he's towing a caravan behind him, he's ineffective. <laughs> but when he's when he's a bit more fit, he's uh, he's got some good playmaking going on. And, I mean, we're in, like, buy of the year territory, potentially, if, if South's going to run, you know? Bennett's so underrated for getting the best out of those type of guys. Mm. Like, um, everyone just assumes, oh, yeah, Bennett's on another has-been, but that always, he always like, gives them a, a renaissance. But I think everyone could see last year at the Tigers that Benji still had some left. Makes you wonder what Maguire was thinking. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was just, like, cap issues. I think there was just no room for him. Uh, and, you know, that was understood from fairly early on in the piece. I feel bad for the Tigers at this year. It just seems like it's very difficult to do anything there, you know. Empire wants out now, they reckon. And Again, it goes back to the rebuild idea. If you rebuild without, you know, starting with the front office, and, like, the Tigers have been a mess for, like, for how long now? <laughs> Nine on 30 years. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I actually feel sorry for Maguire. Like, he cops a lot of shit. I think he's a great coach. Yeah, both. I think he's the type of coach that, like, he's not the guy to, to get a bad team good. He's the guy to take a pretty good team over the top. Yeah, but I mean, uh, there's very few guys that can dig a team out. Um, yeah. You've got to have some sort of base to build on. Like, the Bulldogs and the Tigers have just got a rabble, you know, just all thrown together. Mm. Yeah. The Joey Leilua signing is looking rather bad. <laughs> As a Raiders fan, I'm like, yeah, it's your problem now. <laughs> I mean, if they got him there to, to lure Luciano Leilua there, you know, maybe that is something. Although I, I think I'm on Luciano Leilua is a myth island. <laughs> like, everyone loves him. I think I'm the only person watching the game who still isn't completely sold on Luch. No, no, I'm not sold on him either. I never like a guy that you got to wonder whether he's going to try that day, like, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is BJ's uh, problem as well. So if he tries, he's, he's probably an immortal, but if he doesn't try, well, he's a reserve guy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's talk the Eels, you know, moving our way back down the ladder. Bad look for them against the Dragons. They didn't play very well. 
the refing refing was pretty bad, and this is something like we didn't address in our whole of game uh, discussion. But I think across the board, the refing standard has been like noticeably poor this year, and and I think that the second referee like needs to come back in asap. I mean, I was just gonna say it like. And if they do that, they'll be blowing up about that. There's too many refs on the field, too many yeah, stoppages. Yeah, I know. So I know. We've covered this trope so many times from the start of the show to now. It's like you're never going to win with the refs. So yeah, you want the game fast, and you want one ref to look after everything. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, well, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. So they did have some harsh calls tonight. That the dragons were all over them. Uh, incredible defense. Parramatta just like panicked any time they had the ball in attacking position. They were really bad. But I kind of believe in them this year. I think like they're a really year, good side. I that, yeah. Like last year, there was just an air of fraudulence about them all season. I never believed. But putting this game aside, I'm like, I'm quite impressed with Para this year. Like going to see them live at Bankwest, they were magnificent. It, you know, against a quality storm side, they stood up and looked really good doing it. So I still believe in Para. I think they've got some really good pieces, and I, but I just think they're one superstar away. If they had a Pappenhausen yeah. or a Munster or someone mm. of that ilk, um, you know, I don't think Gutho's the on the top echelon of superstars. You know, he's, he's a level below, you know. No, but he's been very good this year. Very good, but uh, you want that special guy. They had a Whiten, they had a someone like that just to push him over the yeah. edge. Yeah. Just speaking of buyer of the year territory, Isaiah Papali uh, has been great for them. How um, the really hell did they let go of him? I know. He was I a know. genius at uh, his whole career. <laughs> yeah. He's been a great addition for them. Um, Fergo's looked better, although he had a dreadful game tonight. So we'll see how it plays out over the next few weeks. But I believe, Para. Is that Fergo, the 38-year-old 200-kilo winger that back, <laughs> backflips after scoring a try somehow? Yeah. <laughs> He's an amazing athlete. Yeah. Um, heading down to the Storm, I think we're in this new era of the Storm where I think they're gonna they're good enough that they'll probably be top four at the end of the year like they always are. But I think you're gonna see like a few off games. Well, the play development there is something for the ages. I mean, it's Vince Lombardi territory, the coaching of Bellamy. Jerome Hughes is borderline superstar. Um Pappenhausen's obviously gonna be the player of the year at the moment. Um, mm. in Supercoach, he's been getting scores of like 200 and stuff like that. Thank God he's in my team. But, uh, <laughs> and you've got Smith, you've got these monsters, you've got these great players, but their fill in pieces are a bit, how are you going, I feel? Yeah, yeah. Agreed. And then, yeah, the, there is kind of like somewhat of a question mark over Brandon Smith at Hooker. After all the, the talk and, and all of it, you're like, well, I don't know, maybe he's not the guy. Like Jack Bird, you could put him anywhere and he'll still play well. So yeah. Maybe yeah. if the other young kid um, is going to get a better hooker, just put him at lock or some other position. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Let's move on from the Storm because they're just doing what the Storm do. Titans we've talked about. Raiders we've talked about. Sharks. Don't have much to say about the Sharks. Well, I've got a lot to say about them, actually. They're throwing John Morris to the Wolves, right? Which it's inevitable, I suppose, but I don't like how they've treated them. They've got all this cap tied up in, like, past it players. Like, Moylan was a terrible signing. Yeah. You know, Dugan's past his best, still trying hard. Fafita's in reserve grade. Like, what can you do when most of your cap's tied up in those guys? Like, he's overachieved the time he's been there. I I think he's always had the stain of a placeholder coach. Mm. And I think that's what's, you know, harming him now because, you know, if he goes from the Sharks, it's not like any other club's picking him up. I think he's been treated shabbily in my view. but Yeah, agreed. But yeah, they're just the kind of the same old sharks that are just, they're always thereabouts somehow. It's quite um credit to them as a club, the way they've managed to do that, like, year on, year out. I like Toby Rudolph a lot. Mm. Uh, Warriors, we've talked about. Knights are a massive disappointment. I feel like the Knights are a, um, well, Pierce is out, right? Like, but I feel like the Knights are a bit of a um, thrown together team as well. I don't see any cohesion in this squad. Mm. You've got a lot of you know good, solid players, not too many stars for mine. Yeah, I think you're right about the cohesion thing. It just, whatever they're doing, it, it just doesn't seem to work. They're not a terrible side, though. No, but it's it's kind of like the same as last year where you can see them like beating a good team one week and getting thrashed by 30 points to a, a poor team the next week, you know? So um, I think it's another, another long year for Knights fans. Broncos... It's weird, like as you said, they've got like some really good pieces in place, but they're just 
you know, they're going to be better than last year, but that probably says more about the teams below them than how they're going. Is Anthony Seabold owed an apology? Oh, I, I mean, you know, he's he's in the assistant coach's box at Newcastle and that, that's not going so well for them either. So not ready to say that yet. Poor old Kevin Walters. He finally gets the job and he's got this like full rebuild squad happening. Yeah. I mean, but, I don't but know. also like... How how do they let it get to this point is what I'm saying. The front office is, yeah. is to blame. It's like you've got two 20-year-old halves. Yeah. And like Kevin Walters was never, ever going to be the answer. Yeah. That's a move that like shit clubs make. Yeah. That's a move that the Dragons make. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah, like yeah. he's just our Mary or, or our Brownie, you know. Like yeah. the Broncos should be above that. Yeah, the front office has got a lot to answer for. The culture there, obviously, with all the Jamil Hopawadi and... Pango yeah. Jr. and whatever, like the culture is obviously in the gutter as well. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the Tigers. Uh, the Cowboys who beat them in an upset this afternoon, but have looked dreadful in you know the weeks leading up to that. It's another one of those situations where all you hear about is, oh, Todd Payton, he's you know the next superstar coach, you know, like he's the real deal. It's like, well, we don't know until he gets the job, you know, so how about yeah. just turn down the hype and just we'll see how it plays out. It's so funny how when you're an assistant, everything's positive. When you're a head coach, everything's negative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like we heard it, you know, when, when it was talked about, you know, Craig Fitzgibbon being in, in the mix for, you know, a bunch of coaching appointments for this year. Like all you heard was like, oh, yeah, Craig Fitzgibbon, he, he's, you know, guaranteed to be a great coach. And, you know, people at the Dragons going like, we got to get Fitzgibbon. We got to get him. Garth Brennan. He hasn't proven anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's so important to not accept a basket case appointment as your first job. But the temptation to, you you know, like how can you turn down an appointment not knowing when or if you'll ever get another chance? It's very tough. But like Trent Robertson, if he was given the the Bulldogs this year, you know, is he going to be a master coach, you know? So Mm. we have to talk about Barrett though. I mean – Phil Gould's uh, two last predictions, Garth Brennan's going to be a career coach and Trent Barrett's a superstar coach, right? Yeah. Can we blame Barrett for the Bulldogs or do we blame the squad? It's a bit of both because this was always going to be a transition year. They got Kotrick in, but all the other good signings are coming for next year. So I think everyone was willing to give Barrett somewhat of a pass for this year, but he has to show more than what the dogs have showed, which is like... You know, you talk about a historically bad team. This is like we're in rare territory how bad they've been this year and, you know, how they're contributing to this historical gap between good teams and bad teams. Although, you know, the superstar attacking genius of Trent Barrett, how many points have the... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> have, have the dogs scored this year? Are they, are they in double digits yet? They've got a couple of tries in this round, so... Yeah. <laughs> Joining them uh, at the bottom of the table, but getting their first win is Manly, and they have been dreadful too. And with Manly, like... Ton of injuries, though. Yeah. But, I mean, the squad's very thin. It's a very thin roster. But they've still got some good players there. Like, they shouldn't be this bad. I just feel like Dez might be past it. The game might have passed Dez by. When the signing of foreign yeah. is that a forward thinking coach's signing or So why why extend Dez for a year? <laughs> well it's the old regular like, uh, method. If um if a guy's going bad you extend him. If a guy's going good you extend yeah. him and then um then you pay him out and get someone else in. Like who's picking Dez up if he's not coaching Manly? I, I can see year. a number of teams doing it. I can see like the Tigers. Really, going. I think he's got the stink on him. Well, he has in my view, but I can see still see players going. You know, he had that success with Manly twelve years ago. So, yeah, that's the state of the ladder at the moment. So, um, you know, we'll reconvene next month to see what things have changed. I'll be interested to see what the listeners think about their respective clubs. I mean, these are just uh, you know surface level observations. So, people that watch the teams in detail might have some different thoughts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, I I do want to stress that these are are very much just rantings from us. We may well be wrong about all of this, but it's just our thoughts. I think we have to talk about the other, you know, big exciting news over the last week or so, which is the launch of the North American Rugby League. You know how happy this makes me, and I know how happy it makes you. And I was so heartened to see the response online of just unbridled enthusiasm for it. So... Hopefully it goes well because 
yeah, if it does, it's just finally going to happen after 110 years. We're going to get a foothold in America. I'm really excited for it. And I thought the launch and the way it looks was great. Uh, you know, I love most of the team names and the logos and uh, I love the areas. I, I love the places they've got teams. I'll tell you why I'm thinking it's going to be a success because I had about three or four union trolls writing to me online to sink the slipper <laughs> and me resorting to calling them um, rah-rah pedophiles and stuff like that. But um... <laughs> <laughs> just I'm, I'm begging you, I'm begging you, <laughs> stop <laughs> trashing union on Twitter. I, I can't deal with it. <laughs> No, but the fact they're writing to me to say, oh, it's never going to work in America means it's probably going to work because they're worried about it. You know? <laughs> I equate it, I said to one of these trolls, I equate rugby league to the electric car and union to the Model T. Like the product's so much better. Yeah. It's cleaner, there's more acceleration, et cetera. So uh, I think it's going to work. I think America's going to get behind it. It'll take 20 years, but, you know, slowly, slowly. I really hope you're right. And. I'm enthusiastic about it. I love the fact that we're going to be able to see it. I think it's Sportsflix is the company that has the rights. I'm not familiar with them, but I'll definitely investigate that as we get close to the season. I do want to throw some water on this and be a bit of a dampener. Just to note that most of the enthusiasm I've seen online has been seemingly from Australian people. Of course, and I it's going to be that way. It's going to be that way for five, ten yeah. years. How many Western Sydney people were over the moon about GWS, you know, like at the beginning? Yeah, or now. <laughs> no, they've got a little base now. But, I mean, um, <laughs> it's going to be that sort of thing. It's like – but from what I've seen from the clips of the guys training and trialling, you've got these mad athletes there that are just, you know, learning the game. I think it's going to attract a small base to start and hopefully build on. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope you're right. And There's many negatives to talk about with it, mind you. I'm not going to say it's perfect, yeah. but – like as an overall big picture, I think it's it's looking in the right direction. Oh, I spoke to the founder of it on LinkedIn. Oh yeah, uh, Robert Curtis, great bloke. So as um is my want, I just write to people and give them my thoughts on their uh, profession. And um, he was like, "Thanks for the support in Australia. We're you know we're overjoyed with it, that type of thing." So mm. I say everyone keeps getting behind it. Yeah, I do want to touch on the Toronto aspect of it. So I think the plan is for this year with COVID, they're basically going to be not part of the main competition, them and Ottawa, and then hopefully next year it will be like a you know fourteen team full kind of thing. I kind of think like that there was a lot of criticism of the English clubs for the way they dealt with Toronto and you know how that all played out, which you know I think some of that's fair and it's fair to be critical of the small mindedness of aspects of the English league, you know, and the Australian league as well for that matter. But I think it's one of those things where in like, you know, 5, 10, 20 years, hopefully when, you know, this is all going successful and the Toronto Wolfpack are a staple on the North American sporting scene, it's going to look like a real curiosity that they were part of the English league at all. Yeah, and I think the English league has really dropped an opportunity to have access to that market, Um, but it's better that they're in the North American league. And I mean... When you're talking about a league that sponsorship gets paid by the slice, like is that is that the league that is set up for a transatlantic competition? I mean, do you reckon they negotiated for a stuffed crust and it got got rejected? <laughs> I just think like it's probably not going to be sustainable long term for it to you know happen that way. So this could be a blessing. Well, I will say this, though. I'd like to go through the teams with you as well, but, I mean, I will say this. I think it's um, absolutely imperative that the International Rugby League and the NRL and the Super League throw some money behind this oh. and help them cover costs and everything because it's basically an amateur league, although it's professional, like, you know, yeah. poultry, uh, salary caps, et cetera. If they don't, they're absolutely myopic. Yeah, yeah, agreed totally. And, and I think – Beyond throwing the money, which they absolutely should do, there should be like, I don't know exactly what the level of competition is going to be, but I'm thinking you could send the New South Wales and Queensland Cup winners over for some kind of like, you know, mini tournament against a couple of teams. You know, the English football could do the same, host return visits here and just kind of get that, you know, we we don't want to launch a World Club Challenge just yet, but to get... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but to get some kind of reciprocal uh, play going 
where, you know, their teams can play against some of our talent and, you know, build up their skills that way. I want to um I want to have the Toronto Scorpions, aka the Macquarie Scorpions, be the sister club of the Wolfpack. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh I just heard online then that Ben Barber is rumored to be signing with the New York Rugby League, which is my team. Well, that leads us to something I put to you off air when this was first announced is the worry about how many Matt Lodges we're going to get <laughs> with ex-NRL players playing in this competition. Well, it's a great – this announcement is a great day for grubs because they no longer have to learn any French. They can just go to America <laughs> and speak English. But, you know, like we all know that Ben Barber would carve up in that competition if he's got his head on. The only time his head's not on is when he's consuming drugs and alcohol and punching his missus. Like, yeah. So if you can stop doing that, you'll be laughing. Yeah. Mm. No pokies in New York. That can only help. Yeah, that's why I want to go there. I want to get a job with the New York Rugby League. <laughs> <laughs> Save about 100 Gs. But uh, that's an exciting signing. Like, um, You had Eddie Pettiborn signing recently with the Brooklyn team. Yeah. Uh, the Brooklyn Kings, mm. BKs. Yeah, and I'm sure you know more signings will follow. There seems to be such enthusiasm from Australian league fans that I think you're right, that can only help with, you know, getting the competition off the ground. Some of these rara trolls have got some good points, like where's the money coming from? It's a very good point yeah. because, I mean, they're not going to get any crowds to start with. They'll, you know, no. It'll be 500 to uh, 3,000 crowds, so you're not going to have a lot of yeah. money coming in there. So hopefully the sponsors will be good, but the NRL needs to just sponsor this thing. That's so much yeah. money we can just, just waste it on bullshit. We can sponsor this. Yeah. We can't let it fall over just because the you know the largesse of the the people running the competition runs out, and you know they're not getting the crowds or the, the revenue they thought, and they pull the pin. Like we can't let that happen. But let's talk about how good it looks on paper because Atlanta Rhinos, Brooklyn Kings, Boston Thirteens, great name, Cleveland Rugby League, who have been established for a while now. New York Rugby League, Washington DC Cavalry, Ottawa Aces, Toronto Wolfpack, and then the other division, the Western Conference, Austin Armadillos, Las Vegas Black Chats, reminiscent of the Adelaide Aces, Phoenix Venom, great name, Portland Loggers, great name, San Diego Swell, awesome name, and the San Francisco Rush. Mm. It's a national comp. Yeah. We haven't got a national comp in the best comp in the world. <laughs> and I guess that is where some of the scepticism comes into it and, and some of the fear. Is it too much too soon? And, you know, is it sustainable? And I think that's the big question. But why start off with like, you know, 11 teams in Sydney? Like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> start off like a real competition. So it looks like a major league comp. It's fucking awesome yeah. looking. Yeah. So I wanted to shout out another bloke who um, touched the heart. We follow them on, on Twitter and my private account follows them, California Rugby League and the LA Mongrel. It's a team in the, in that league, mm. uh, the best nickname ever of a rugby league team, the LA Mongrel. It's got a yeah. Bulldog logo <laughs> sort of thing. I was chatting with them online the other day and this guy that runs them, uh, Chad Cooper, he was at the game in a suit for the launch and he was filming himself and he was in tears about how happy he is to get this comp off the ground in California and it was just magic. So give them a follow online and mm. they'll be feeding some plays into the um, the NARL, I imagine, from the California Rugby League. So, yeah, so it's exciting times for all my, you know, negativity about it tonight. I'm really excited for it and I'm all in on the Atlanta Rhinos. Yeah, I thought I saw you adopt them. It's pretty cool. So I wonder if they'll get a Leeds Rhino um, sister club set up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that's, again, when you go into support, these are the kind of things that us and the English RFL like have to, you know, think about, and I'm, I'm sure they are. You sure are, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they're down at the Workmen's Club playing darts with a Guinness, but um, <laughs> looking at the map, uh, there's only the, the middle of America is not represented only, so maybe they can get a Kansas City or a St. Louis or a... Uh, Minnesota's mm. team in there in the future, but it looks beautiful so far. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you, you got anything else to say on it? Well, as I was saying earlier, the only thing I wanted to say was the Rugby League uh, Digest community, we, I think we should make a pact to go out to more live games. I know we're organizing a Rugby League Digest uh, Patreon um, events. You know, we're all going to go to a game together. So uh, hopefully we get many more of them to come as well. But yeah, just in general, I think we should all get off our asses um, and not watch the, the best TV sport in the world because it's even better live. 
Yeah, totally. And yeah, so we should say that just as we go out that we have announced our first RLD excursion uh, and it's an absolute cracker, Andrew. Manly versus Canterbury at Bank West, uh, which is coming up in July. We picked that game. I know it's you know not the most exciting game on paper, but A, it has major spoon implications <laughs> uh, and B, it's a Saturday afternoon game, which gives us a chance to go to the game and then hopefully get together afterwards, have a few beers, talk some footy uh, and, you know, make it a great night. So a, a celebration of football. Uh, you're all invited. Uh, if you're on Facebook and you're not a part of our uh, RLD supporters group, it's RLD uh, Super League War Discussion Forum. I think is the full name. Um, please oh. join that. We'll put a post up on Patreon as well. Or contact Dave Hunter, the founder of the discussion group, long-time uh, supporter of the yep. show. So I'm happy to go to Bank West to watch anybody, to be honest, but I was very underwhelmed by yeah. that lineup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, it's about the community. Yeah, it, it's about the community. and It was about getting a fixture where we could have the best of both worlds. So, you know, I've had the pleasure of, of meeting and having a few beers with a few of our listeners now, which has, has you know, uniformly been uh, a great experience. I've always had a fun time, so I want to do that with even more of you. So, um, yeah, there'll be more details over time. But, yeah, please pencil that one in for early July. Was that um, channeling Roy Simmons there? You want to have a beer with every one of the um, Rugby League, <laughs> listeners, Rugby League Digest listeners? Yeah, can probably do it in a shorter time uh, than Royce, but, you know, we're building the community. We're getting there, so... Let's go out on that. We've been going for a while now. So uh, thank you, Andrew. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, And thank you especially to our beautiful Patreon supporters. Really means a lot to us. Uh, And, yeah, keep spreading the word. Yeah, thanks very much, guys. Talk to you soon. All right, see ya. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.